Hey there, No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. Sarah Box, your host, and I have a very special guest for you today, Ani Anderson. But before I introduce you to Ani, let me ask you a question. What if there was just one word that could explain everything in your life, lead you out of disappointment and struggle, point you on your purpose, enable you to make all your decisions in alignment with your empowerment destiny and heal your relationships? Would you be interested in knowing what that word was? I am. And our guest today is going to talk about what that what that even means to think like that, her own path. She's had many um, twists and turns in her professional and personal life. Ani Anderson is the author of a breakthrough book, Find Your Soul's Agenda, the one word that makes your whole life a success. She's really an interesting woman, and I'm encouraging you not only to enjoy her on this podcast, but go back and listen to her on other podcasts and get her book, because she has a really powerful way of connecting more than just our brain or our intellect to the work we do and show up in the world, and also answer some questions about why we get stuck and how to get unstuck. So Ani, with that as an introduction to you, tell us a little bit more about yourself and then let's just get into the meat of it. Sure, sounds good, Sarah. So I started as an occupational therapist in the Western medical system. And two weeks in after graduation, I stood in the middle of the clinic and I thought to myself, this cannot be the rest of my life. And I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I knew that something had to change. And so I like to start with that because, you know, I I wasn't going to like leave right away, but I just knew at that moment, two weeks after graduation, that something needed to change in my life. And I wasn't going to go back to school because I just got my master's degree. <laughs> so I worked in the Western medical field for about five years. And within there, at some point, because I was a therapist, I needed to take some continuing education. And so I found my way to energy medicine. And I, I started doing that. I started doing it with my clients, myself. I really loved it. I really loved it. And um, I actually didn't realize I was doing energy medicine at first. I thought I was doing scientific stuff. But it was uh, it was probably my third course when we were all standing around with our hands over top of each other's bodies. And I looked around and I thought, oh, geez, I'm doing something weird here. <laughs> so anyway, you know, I've studied energy medicine for about 20 years. I left the Western medical system to work in my own private pay private practice. Um, I've been working on my own for about 15 years now. And uh, I have had many incarnations in my professional life, as you mentioned. <laughs> Well, let's talk about those. But before, let's put a definition on energy work, because I think people can come to that and go, oh, I know what it means, but it may mean something different to you than it does to other folks. So within the context, what does it mean to you? That's a really good question, because it often does mean something very different to people. When people hear me say that I'm an energy worker, they think that I do hands-on healing. They think that I put my hands on somebody and close my eyes and, you know, whatever else. Uh, Like Reiki. Reiki is one that a lot of people know about. I've been doing energy medicine so long that, and actually I haven't done any hands-on healing for, gosh, probably six years. I, the way that I approach energy medicine is energy is everything. 
it is the one thing underneath of everything. And I am always working with energy. Every word that I speak, every thought that I think, how I move my body, how I communicate, how I'm in relationship with people, what actions I take, everything in life is energy. So I'm a, a practical energy worker at this point, helping people to understand how they can work with energy without having to be hands-on healers. Okay, I'm going to make a note because I have some other questions around that specifically and sure. groups. But sure. but I do want folks to know about your path. How did you get here? I think you have an interesting an interesting story that you told about coming to actually knowing yourself when you were in college and what and how to start healing certain aspects. Um, and I'm thinking that probably connects to how we connect to our own bodies as well. Yeah, well, I was um, I was a dancer as a child. I actually was a professional dancer as a teenager in New York City, and so I, I've always had a very close relationship to my body. It was I, I don't I don't think it's a big leap to understand from a person who was so connected to her body as a child how I got into my professional life, and started to put pieces together very rapidly for myself around the body-mind connection. So the body-mind connection has been kind of this buzzword that people talk about, and I think people have some different ideas around what that means. I've been working, like I said, with energy medicine for so long, and this world of body-mind spirit, alternative medicine, whatever you want to call it, there's so many different things people call it. But this body-mind connection thing I've been personally working with for a long time. And the, the way that I like to describe it and talk about it now is that it's not separate. So hundreds of years ago, we started to really pick apart the difference between the body and the mind. And so now when I talk about this connection, sometimes people will leave the conversation and they'll go, I'm not really sure what she was saying. It's so it's so right in front of our faces. It so is our faces. You know, our mind is our wholeness. It is our body. In fact, our subconscious is operating in our body all the time. We're not thinking about how our liver functions. It's just happening. That's part of our subconscious programming. It's part of our mind. It's part of our intelligence. We're not thinking about how our heart's functioning. We're not thinking when our, our chest contracts, when we're nervous. We don't think about any of that stuff. It just happens. It's part of our intelligence. And so I like to talk about three intelligences. I like to talk about the mental-emotional intelligence, which I lump together, the body-mind intelligence, and the collective consciousness, all of which we have access to at any given time. So if you continue on that and you think about those consciousness, I think, oh, so I just realized I'm now I'm really self-conscious about the word I'm using because I'm going, <laughs> yeah, and where is that coming from? Like, do I feel or I think? Because, <laughs> I know it's a tangent, but it matters to me. Oftentimes it tells me am I present or not? You know, like, so the more often I find myself saying, I think, um, I feel like I'm, I am sometimes thinking, but sometimes I'm distracted or, you know what I mean? It's interesting. So yeah. back to my question. Um, when you think about the body, people, it's faster for people to say or recognize, look, my stomach hurts, my chest is tight, but not necessarily make the connection of how that comes about, right? Mm -hmm. Or even being aware that it is coming about. So what does that mean when we're more or is there a way for us to be more in tune with all of it at one time? 
the energy mm -hmm. in our body, what's happening with it. I like to think about my life, and I suggest my clients do the same on an, an aspiration line. So where am I going? I want to think about where I'm going. So my beginnings were in rehabilitation science. And in, in rehabilitation, uh, what happens is somebody got injured and they go to see the therapist and the therapist does an evaluation, tries, tries to get the person back to baseline. We're not really looking ahead of that. We're just looking at how do I get you back to where you were before you got injured? Now, eventually I found coaching and the coaching industry tends to look at where you are now and where you're going. And I am a firm believer that we can't do really to live a self-actualized life. We can't look at just the past or just the future. We have to look at our wholeness, our whole life. So I do like to look at, I suggest people look at their lives in terms of where am I going? Because when I look in, in terms of where am I going, then I can integrate everything that has ever happened and is happening now. Um, so I, I do have a tendency to be more future focused. So that brings me to another question for you, because you talked about people thinking, um, where am I going? right? Future or past. Do we get stuck? Do you find like folks who come to you are predominantly in one place or another and that's why they're coming to you or? Mm. Yeah, good question. Um, so some people tend to be more future focused. Some people have a hard time seeing a big vision for themselves, even if they are future focused. They're a person who's always thinking ahead. These, per these people have a tendency to get more anxious they have a tendency to feel overwhelmed very quickly because they're always, I'm like leaning forward as I'm talking, they're always kind of just going forward. And then there are these other people, they get a little bit more stuck usually as, uh, as I uh, watch this happen, where they're really more focused on the past. They've really got themselves, in the past, they have a hard time visioning the future, where, where do they want to go, getting a vision, and they get kind of stuck. I really like for a person to be able to be more future focused, but understanding that they need to be able to look back to get where they're going. When we don't think about where we want to go, we have a difficult time understanding the body symptomology that comes up because if we're not thinking about where we might want to go, the body symptomology that comes up, we have a tendency to think something is wrong with us. And it's my experience that's really never the case. It's not that anything's ever wrong with us in our body. It's not that anything's ever wrong at all, actually. It's that everything that's happening to us is happening as an opportunity for our growth. But if we're not thinking about how we're growing, then we don't know how to read the opportunities. So, I, and I read that you said there's really nothing ever wrong with us. I've read that quote from you before. And that's a powerful statement to be able to say, it's all good right? There's nothing wrong with this. I may not be understanding what's happening to me. So, yeah. yeah. And I may not like what's happening to me. I just want to with like total reverence, acknowledge that because hard stuff happens to people all the time. I don't love the idea that, geez, I'm going to get myself a little bit of a rabbit hole here, but it's worth it. Um, I don't love the idea that I'm asking for things because and this is one of the reasons why I love the word agenda. When we talk about the soul's agenda um, with the book that I, I wrote in the process that I've created, because I think there are times really when life really is very hard and we look at life and we go, I never would have chose this. 
And I think there's a protective mechanism and quality to that, that when we talk in the personal development world about taking total responsibility for them, for every, for ourselves, which I totally agree with, but there's also this protective quality that I think is, is really um, important when we can look at our, when, when we can be in co-collaboration with life and sometimes say, life, this is really hard. Like, wow, this is really hard. But just because it's really hard doesn't mean it's not an opportunity. Right. And the, I think sometimes the taking total responsibility can be uncomfortable because it comes, it could be interpreted like, well, it's my fault versus exactly. I have an opportunity to do something with this, right? Yes, exactly. That, it seems like a really small distinction, but to be able to say, I, I think where I'm at at this particular moment totally sucks, but yeah. if I don't want to stay here. I'm responsible for doing something in one direction or another that will imbalance yes. the situation. I, I agree with you when you said, you know, taking full responsibility is saying it sucks because that's what I feel. And taking responsibility for what we, and saying and, and being with what we actually feel is so important. So often we just want to bypass that as quickly as possible because it's so uncomfortable and just go forward to, oh, I'm going to make lemonade out of these lemons. And I encourage, you know, people to stop and just say, hey, no, it sucks. And I can do something different, but acknowledge where you are. Yeah. Do you find in general or even in your practice that it is difficult sometimes for folks to be able to acknowledge who they are and what they're thinking? thinking and feeling because we've got this bigger social visibility now, I guess I would say, where you're kind of always on display. And so people are maybe more self-conscious or more self-aware. Yeah, boy, it's really tough in like the Facebook era. People put so much pressure on themselves and some part of our mind actually thinks that everybody's life is so incredibly amazing. Like we see it on Facebook and we so forget that everybody's a human being. And, you know, I, I like to joke with my clients that there's no thumbs down on Facebook, right? Like it's all thumbs up. <laughs> uh, we've got to remember that everybody goes through ups and downs and everybody has stuff. Everybody has stuff that they're going through and challenges. It's part of life, but we, but we forget. And so, yeah, I think there is really something that's difficult about our humanity in a society that's so visibly out there, but really so visibly one-sided. So that fear or discomfort or hesitancy that can come up, I think about that within the context of either helping folks or working with people who say, I've got this goal. I know why I want to do it, right? I'm pretty clear on why I want to do it. I have a goal. I even think I have a way I want to go about doing it. I may have some strategies or actions around that. But all of a sudden, I have that same goal and I'm in the same place three months from now and nothing's happened. So what are the things that <laughs> get us stuck in that way? And is there a couple of practical things we can do to, to get unstuck? And that word feels kind of generic, but I think it's one of those visceral things. Yeah. And it happens all the time. I really feel like the ability to get into action is a skill and it's one that not a lot of people learn how to do it. And then they expect that they can just pull it off. And so we have to have a lot of grace with ourselves when we're really deciding maybe for the first time that we're going to be action takers. 
And then we're just, you know, we're saying to ourselves, I'm just going to do it. And we didn't learn anything about what it's like to take action. Because the fact is that when we take a new action in our lives, what we're doing is our conscious mind, which is only about 5% of our mind, is choosing that we're going to do something new. And so the 95% of our mind, which is a subconscious mind, says, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> and it's, it's supposed to do that because our subconscious mind's job is to keep things rolling. It's to keep us alive. It's to keep the liver functioning and the heart pumping and make sure you don't spill the water on your you know, shirt when you're taking a drink and you know, make sure you say the right words so you don't make a fool out of yourself. Like there, it, The subconscious job, it, it, mind's job is really important. When I first learned how to ski, I was an adult and I didn't know how to ski. And so they put me on this little bunny hill and I freaked out because my subconscious mind had no clue what to do. And so it took a lot of work to learn the first few times I went down the hill that I wasn't going to die and how to move my legs and my hips and the whole thing. And I did it a few times and my subconscious mind needed to learn this very new skill. And eventually I got it. And now I can ski. It's the same thing with anything that we're trying to do new in our lives. Our subconscious mind needs to get on board, but we don't give ourselves a lot of grace about the fact that we're learning. And so what I'm, what I'm saying here is I believe that just stepping into action in our lives is a skill. And one of the things it requires is to understand that, sure, we're making a conscious decision that we're going to change, but your subconscious mind isn't going to want you to change. And so you're going to have to deal with resistances. You're going to have to deal with the learning curve. So all of those different ways that shows up for people, it might be body-mind symptoms. It might be like the headaches or uh, stomach aches. That could be how it shows up. It could be mental or uh, emotional stuff that comes up. It could be stress and overwhelm or depression or something like that, anxiety. It could be um, things that seemingly have nothing to do with us, like the car that breaks down or the kids that get sick. Like it's all of that stuff that comes up that we have to manage and navigate that is resistance to our change. But it's just resistance. It's not something to push against. It's something to be curious about, learn about, and navigate. It's a skill. So when you come up against those things, and I loved your um, analogy in the bunny hill picture. <laughs> Because I brought back skiing for me. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I remember those funny <laughs> like black diamonds. Freaky. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they were a black diamond. Exactly. But um, so when you think about that and you can say, okay, I know there's going to be resistance. I'm going to have these kind of things pop up. Are there tips that you might offer us to say, okay, here's one or two things, not a huge list, but if you're finding yourself either delaying, first of all, how do I know it's happening besides feeling sick or headaches? Um, what are signs? But also, is there one or two tips that go, okay, I'm going to break in this. I get that you're trying to help me up subconscious, but we're breaking up on this one. I'm moving on. Yeah, I'll give you a few. First of all, you have to know where you're going. A lot of times people want to change, but they don't have a clear idea where they're going. I live in New York. If I want to go somewhere, I have to choose where I'm going to go. I mean, yeah, I could get in the car, but then I'd just be wandering. If I want to go to California, I need to know I'm going to California. You know, if I want to go to palm trees, I'm not going to go north. I'm going to go south. You need to know where you're going. It sounds simple, but a lot of people don't do that. Next, you need to have a plan. The plan might not be how you actually get there, but you need to start with a plan. I'm going to go to California and I'm going to take Route 87 first and then, you know, but whatever. You have to have a plan. 
I highly suggest you have a mentor because if you have a mentor, then the, per, the somebody outside of your experience who is not committed to you staying the same, by the way, who is not committed to you staying the same is looking at your life and saying, you know, I've been on the road that you're choosing to go. And I suggest you go here and I suggest you go there. Even if you don't feel like it's the most amazing advice in the world, a mentor can help to point you in directions and help show you blind spots when um, you, you, we just can't see them. Nobody can see all of their own blind spots. It's just a fact. So that's, that's a, another uh, tip. And um, I know you just gave me like two or three, but I'm giving you one more. The other one is don't expect it's not going to happen to you. Resistance. Expect that resistance is going to happen to you. And I say that because if you expect it, you're watching out for it. You're going to be curious. You're going to be open-minded and look for it. But if you say to yourself, well, that probably won't happen to me. I've dealt with procrastination and stuff like that before. Then you're going to get sideswiped. And three months later, you won't recognize that you've been hoodwinked by your resistance. So I, I like to think of it like keeping the door open. You know, it's like keeping the door open for the resistance. It's welcome. It's okay. Come on in. Because otherwise, we're trying to barricade ourselves against it. And it's going to come in anyway. Well, and it takes a lot of energy to push back against something all the time. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, exactly. So saying, yeah, come on in. I've got a plan for today. So you're going to have to wait. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're so right. Sometimes that even if you know what you're going after, you want it and it, you know, it's so beneficial. But that internal dialogue can get going. It's like, well, maybe tomorrow or today's not convenient versus just going, this has been one of the things I've done that's helped me. It's like, okay, you don't have to do the whole thing. Just do a little bit of it. Well, you know, dang it. You do five minutes of it and you're thinking, oh, I'm not quitting now, right? Yep. You know, it's like, it's just that one thing to shake hands with resistance and go, I'm, I'm still going. Yeah. And go in the direction of where you want to go. This sounds so simple. I was writing an article this week and then it came up twice with clients where I was talking about how people say they want to grow their businesses. And I say, okay, so what's the first step? What's the first thing you're going to do? And the person will say to me, I'm going to go clean my office. And I'll say, no, that's not growing your business. That's cleaning your office. What's the first thing you have to do to grow your business? And then son of a gun, if it didn't happen twice with clients that day where they came in and said, okay, so what are you going to do? And they said, I'm going to go clean my office. <laughs> no, take a step towards the direction of what you actually want to do. And this requires us sometimes to just take a moment, take a deep breath and say to ourselves, is what I'm doing helping me work towards where I want to go? It sounds really simple, but it's so powerful to do that because a lot of times we're not really making the most powerful decisions we could be. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, that just that one question, how is this advancing me in the direction I want to go? And it doesn't mean you don't do it, but at least getting that conscious that you actually said, okay, I'm still going to clean my office and guess what? I'm not advancing. But it does bring it yes. out of the subconscious into a conscious decision that I can now be accountable for. I didn't get that done, but I do have a nice clean office. Right? Exactly. Yep. But it's a different relationship with the activity then instead of just being reactive. Yeah, it's a conscious one. Yeah. So talk a little bit, if you will, about energetic body and how that impacts us around folks. So when I said I wanted to come back and talk to you, I do a lot of work with people in groups. So group decision-making, group norming, group planning, and not within necessarily the same organization, but with collaborative work. 
And I'm always interested in how people come into the room, like where, where they are mentally, physically, you know, just who their person is that shows up and how that affects their willingness to engage with others. And I'm wondering if your work has talked on any of that. You're, you can't, listeners, you can't see her. She's smiling. Ani's smiling. I'm thinking, okay, I've either asked a wonky question or she knows a lot about that. So you're on, Ani. How many hours do we have? Well, I love talking about group dynamics. Well, <laughs> that will be, we'll do a whole separate one on that, but give me a little answer here. Okay, okay. So um, I believe that every person is here to embody a certain type of energy. And I liken this to flowers, for example. A rose is a rose and a daisy is a daisy. And when we think of a rose, we think of a rose differently than we think of a daisy. They are different to us in, in kind of a, a, an energetic way. A daisy is more like, oh, I give this to a friend. And a rose is more like, oh, I give this to a lover. So we are, as humans, like that too. Each of us embodies a certain energetic. And that energetic, when we're together with other people, pings and plays off of each other in really amazing ways that I love, love, love to explore. So one of the ways that we can show up and show up as our best and, and be a real leader in a group dynamic, and what I mean by that is I believe that the person who has the most consistent energetic is going to be the leader of, an, of a group, not necessarily the person who is the leader, and not necessarily the person who is promoting the most positivity in the group. You know, like sometimes you're in a group and it seems to be going downhill and you're going, what the heck? It's the person who has the most and the most consistent energetic that seems to lead a group. So anyway, back to what I was saying about everybody has like a different energy. When I lead people through Find Your Soul's Agenda, we get to identify in very clear language what that energetic is for each person. So whether you know your soul's agenda or whether you don't, what you want to do is really embody the best of who you can be whenever you're around other people, because the fact is you are influencing them in a certain way that only you can because of who you are anyway. And so you're, you're going to either influence them in ways that help them to step into more positivity, or you're going to influence them in ways that challenge them through contrast. So show up as your best self, <laughs> the, mo the, mo the most that you can. And for some of us, it, and it did, certainly did for me, it, some of us, it takes a long time to figure out how to do that. It totally did for me. Well, don't you find um, it's practice also? It's a skill. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think over time, getting more comfortable with being visible or just being who you are and being just in your skin, just like, it's who I am. I don't have yes. to put on a show may work or may not. But I also like what you talked about showing up as your best self, because there's this sense of, we are kind of, I think, Sarah's opinion, um, <laughs> we are responsible for the energy we bring with us, because it can really trash people if we come in and we're just bringing negative stuff with us. And I just, in my mind, I can sometimes see folks come into a space and I, and I watch them walk away and someone they're near is just deflated. Mm -hmm. And I think, was that your intention? I hope it wasn't. You know, <laughs> okay, maybe they just don't know. They're unaware of what they're doing. But if that was your intention, that's not helpful. 
It's just yeah. not helpful to other people. So that whole thing of coming together is, um, but it's so powerful when people come with that, their best selves. I have seen it be magical. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely magical. That's one of my favorite. When we, we have a certification program in our company, and one of my very favorite things to do is to get our groups together in retreat and watch them as they coach each other, because they're learning how to not just step into their own best self, but to uh, draw that out of the person that they're with. And sometimes it happens in the most, actually, most of the time, it happens in the most unlikely ways. It's so magical when someone notices for themselves that they're showing up in their best. And when they notice that the person that they're with is showing up as their best and they, they can witness each other in that, oh, that's one of my favorite things in life. I love Doesn't it. the energy just start vibrating in the room? Yeah, exactly. That, <laughs> that life force energy. It does. And I know this one group who actually has invested a lot of money in another group being able to coalesce and but it, it happened very organically. And so now like they would like to replicate it. And um, but I'm thinking you don't just automatically replicate that was you can, you can, but it's not like an overnight thing. These guys created that they looked for the best in each other. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they changed their language about what they said authentically, not just saying, I'm not going to say it out loud. They actually challenge themselves, but you could see, and when you're with that group of people and you walk into that room, you're part of the group. It's totally yeah. cool. So yeah. I just think there's so much benefit of the work that you do in this world and how much that can change all of us. So that's part of why I was so excited about getting you on the show and, and talking to you today. Oh, thank you. So I had one more question for you. Sure. This is a little bit more about your um, business, but I'm sure. always fascinated in business. So it's a two-part question. Same question, two different ways about. Tell me what is an alchemist and what is an a practical alchemy? What oh. is practical alchemy and how do you? What is an alchemist? Well, I you know. For me, I think an alchemist is somebody who works with energy. So that's like the real easy answer. But also, have you ever read the book, The Alchemist? Yes. Okay. So one of the amazing things that I love about that book is this person has a desire and they go on a journey and they go on a very long journey. It's arduous journey. And then the, the treasure was right under their bottoms all the time. And that's the way it is when we do energy work in our own lives. We have a desire, we set out, we go on a journey, we learn things about ourselves and other people and life itself. And when it comes back down to it, what we were seeking was there all the time. It happens every time. Um, that sounds like it could be a really magical kind of thing. And, 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 some people like to think of it, of it like that, and that's great if it works for you. I'm a very practical kind of person. I like how-tos. I like for people to tell me how to do things because otherwise it feels a little too mysterious to me. So, um, you know, my husband and I in our company, we really help people to navigate some of the mysteries in the world. Like, who am I? <laughs> that's a really big question. Well, we can tell you, and we can tell you how to figure it out. Like, how is very, very important to me. I had people tell me when I was really going through a hard time in my own life, to just be, it came up over and over, just learn how to be. And I was really frustrated. And I finally said to somebody, I will, but you have to tell me how. I, there's no roadmap. Give me a map. I will go on the journey. You know, so, so I really like to create practical steps for people because the just be and, and just be love and just be authentic. All of that stuff is lip service to me unless we really know how to do it. 
And when you know how to do it, do you feel you feel it holistically, right? It's not just I can do a task or a, an activity, but I can own it in my yeah. whole self. Yeah, and it changes who you are in all aspects of your life is the thing too. Sometimes when I do interviews, people want to know about the balance between personal life and home life and business and love and things like that. And I really don't see any distinction between the two aspects or whatever aspects of life. I'm always talking about who somebody is because who you are, when you really transform who you are, you transform who you are in all aspects of your life. You show up differently as a spouse, as a parent, as a business person. Um, there's a saying that how we do everything, how we do one thing is how we do everything. And that's what I see in my clients all the time. When you transform who you are, you do everything better. I don't think there's a better place to end this single conversation. <laughs> I don't want it to be the last because there's so many things I would ask you, but and especially around the groups and all of that. So thank you so much, Ani, for being on the show. Um, we're going to put links to your book and your website in the show notes. And folks, I really do encourage you to check Ani out. And she's got great energy. Obviously, you can tell from her talking. And thank you for being on the show. Well, thanks, Sarah. It was really fun to talk to you. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. We hope you like what you heard, and if you did, we ask that you go over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. If you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, please be sure to share. And until next time, have a great week living a no-labels, no-limits, no-excuses life.